What intrigues you? Okay, uh, so the type of books I look for are like thrillers because I find like massive joy in, you know, uh, reading books that like aren't really related to me in a sense that like adventure or like mystery and all that. And um, I kind of read like in between quickly and slowly because I try to absorb the text, but also have like a good rate at it. And I obviously like fiction because it's thriller. Uh, nonfiction kind of bores me out. And uh, I'm drawn to like the kind of writing of thriller because like um, it's kind of like you're always kept in the dark about what the plot is. And I think I just read for the plot most of the time. But there's also like um, some aspects of like literary devices that I really like to pick up on, like baptisms and all that. <laughs> so I gravitate more towards like mystery uh, fiction books because uh, I like not reading about like things that are actually happening and like going into that new world of like mystery and uh, wonder. Um, and I also don't read kind of quickly or slowly, but I like try to read twice to like actually know what I'm reading and observe what I'm reading. Um, I'm drawn to this type of writing because, I don't know, I just like not reading what's happening today and, like I said, think of like a new perspective of how things work. Um, for me, <coughs> I try to find books that are like close or like higher than my Lexile level and I try to find non-fiction books because at the same time I want to be able to identify those patterns and to be able to like enjoy the book at the same time. And for me, I tend to read like slower so I can like kind of, like you said, like absorb the text and kind of understand it more. And I'm drawn to this type of writing because for me, I'm just the type of person that enjoys like, like fiction, like mysteries, like adventures, sci-fi, so yeah. Awesome. Um, the books I'm usually drawn to is that uh, I'm, I'm both drawn to fiction and nonfiction, but I usually prefer nonfiction because like there's a lot of cool information out there that you can learn and like and usually those books like they're not like too text heavy and they're more they tend to be slightly more interesting and then uh my reading pace i tend to read both quick and slow my reading pace varies when i read um and then i'm dra i'm usually drawn to, to more non and uh, like, I, depending on what day it is, I tend to, my reading patience varies. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm more drawn to fiction books just because anything can happen. It's like, if something's not answered, it's fine that it's not answered. Whereas, like, if it's a nonfiction, like, if he doesn't have a dad, like, you have to figure out why he doesn't have a dad. With fiction, it's just, like, it's just there and anything could happen. And um, I tend to read in between, depending on what type of book it is, because if it's nonfiction, I try to le I try to read slower because it's an actual event that happened. With fiction, I read a little bit faster because usually the um, vocabulary isn't as high. I like um, fiction books, but uh, I'm really into books that are like um, involving dystopias or utopias. Because usually, what happens in those books is the main character he breaks <laughs> through the facade of the dystopia, and he sees the utopia as a dystopia. And that, that's what I really like about uh, books like that, like the like the, the Giver, Fahrenheit, three fifty one, those kinds of books. Four fifty one. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's like the questions of morality, right? Yeah, that's the teacher. Hmm. You. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So I think we can agree that like um, reading just revolves around our kind of experiences because 
for me, I like adventure because, you know, I always go out and all that. And maybe for, like, others, you know, just, like, the, not the concept, but, like, their joy in academics just leads them to nonfiction. And in dystopias and utopias, um, maybe, like, what would you say, like, is your, like, why do you like those uh, specifically based on your experience? Because um, the books usually start up all cheery, and I think the feeling of a utopia, because there's never an actual utopia, <clears throat> the feeling of that is almost like creepy. It's almost like a horror book. Yeah. Because it's so fake. It's not real. That's cool. It's, it's just so fake. <laughs> Let's move on to the second question. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, what are your guys' golden lines? Um... Actually, what books did you read? I read and The Maze Runner. I started reading the series. And my golden line was Mino look at, looked at Thomas. I nominate this chain to replace me as keeper of the rooms. Oh. Um, and I chose this line because it's like basically his turning point as to where he's just like the new dude to being part of the group and being introduced as uh, keeper of the runners, which is like the biggest sort of like state that you can be in the glade so like as him being nominated as keeper of the runner shows that he's part of them and that he's going to be and he is a key uh, component of the group oh yeah that's, that's very interesting so um the book i read is called i am number four by pitticus lore and the quote i used was each step i take becomes more of an effort than the one that preceded it my heart thuds in my chest death is forecoming and of that i am terrified but henry is here and so is burning kosar i'm happy not to face alone and i said this golden line represents the utilization of syntax being short sentences to display fear and doubt and hesitance within the protagonist's voice it also it also shows the last bit of hope that john had when facing the battle it is perceived that he found strength and unity and was able to overcome his mentality. And along with the imagery, this shows his struggle and physical pain to highlight John's fear and weakness in that time of the moment. And I found this really interesting because um, usually when usually you can depict like how the character is feeling through their diction, but since you can't hear them, I think when you use short sentences, it kind of displays their hesitation and stuff and their fear. Yeah. I like your golden line because it kind of like my golden line kind of shares aspects of your motifs also, of compassion and will and determination. And I think it all. And I think this golden line can also like represent the themes of like the importance of like family and like friends and stuff. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, what I'm reading is Apt People by. Uh, I forgot. I forgot his name. Is like. Okay, uh, I forgot. Who, I know the name, but I forgot who. By uh, I can't think of it right now. But anyway, my my golden line is, uh, the problem was was not making, uh, nor was the solution. I was given orders and directives which I followed. Um, this this quote was uh, said by uh, Dustander, who who was uh, like he was, like in one of those death camps. Uh, he was like an ex prisoner, and then. He, he's like he's like what he's like the one of the main characters, but the real main character Todd, um, he it's basically how Todd it's also connected to how Todd has to follow orders in school, and uh, it's like in school you have to do do certain things just like in the death camps they had to follow orders from the the officers, okay. and that's just base it's just basically like. 
good uh, connection to the sto- to the stories itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm reading Corner of the Universe by Anne Martin, and the golden line I chose is "Dad captured the good times, only the good times. The parts he left out are what changed my life." And it, it sounds like the one that he told us like not to quote, which is like don't like do just because it's like a big dramatic line, but it's I think it can like relate to most of us is because especially with social media and stuff sometimes we like live and like we only do things so we can like post it on social media and like only capture the good times and um and like nobody ever really talks about like the bad things are happening in their life Mm -hmm. and um yeah yeah (laughs) okay Oh, you can go. Yeah. Uh, I've been reading. I re. I'm the. I've been rereading The Giver. I think I read this book back in like middle school, and it was one of my favorite books I read. Yeah. It was super interesting. <laughs> the golden line I chose is that uh, where the main character Jonah, he receives a job basically, that, well, it disconnects him from his utopia, and he realizes that it's all fake. <clears throat> And he gets this paper, and it's a list of things he can do now Now that he has that job. And all the way at the bottom of the list that's in bold, it says, you can lie. And I think this is the, the breaking point. Yeah. Because he has almost an existential crisis of, have, have people been lying to me before? Can everybody lie? Can adults lie? Can mm-hmm. I only lie? Yes. And this is really what separates him from, oh, he's, a, he's in a happy utopia. And then he realizes, oh, it's just a facade. That I've just been playing out. Okay, so what message from life can you pull from that? Um, no, example. When you see innocent children that are kind of just messing around, they uh-huh. don't, they don't, they're not sure of what their future is. Uh-huh. They don't know what they're going to do in the future. They don't yeah. know if they're going to become like, whoa, what their career choices are going to be. Uh-huh. They're, I mean, dumb. And when they, <laughs> yeah, okay. when they grow up, they finally realize, oh God. Mm. I have to get like a career. I have to figure out what I want to do in my life. Yes. And so they they go from a point where it's all happy and fun and games to now they have to study, work, and achieve their goals. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got you. So I guess um, my golden line was from Passenger Nineteen. It's a thriller, and main character is uh, his name is Jammer Davis. But I digress. Okay. So the golden line was the jungle is a black place on a moonless night, darker than when one is entombed in a thick walled room during a blackout. And I kind of just like said like the motif was like kind of like hardships, life, and will. And what I pulled from that was um, that hardships prickle at the will, uh, at the will's vitality if it stands by itself, especially when there's no guidance that surrounds you, right? And it's darker than the fear of death, and as it's more agonizing, it's like it's more um, agonizing since loneliness is the last thing suffered by the soul. Kind of what I pulled from it. And at least in the room, like in the thick walled room. Um, you get to acknowledge your regrets and but like in the sad jungle like you kind of die forgotten unlike the vile passions uh of your um the enemy that isn't like physical but more of like a manifestation of your fears and they kind of just kind of like in a sense transfer to someone else and torture that person even more yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have Mr. Wills from Class 302. Uh, he teaches AP Lit and uh, CP and Honors English Language Arts for okay. grade 10. I do. Yeah, so right now I'm reading uh, Karen Russell's new collection of short stories, Orange World. Um, so she's a modern 
writer. She does a lot of uh, sort of magical realism. Um, you read one of her short stories earlier this year. Um, so I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I had a kid a year ago, and there's a heartbreaking story um, that deals with kind of birth and the after effects of it and really like uh, postpartum depression. But because it's Karen Russell, she uses these like literal demons that sort of come in and they're like making bargains with them and the mother has to deal with that. It's very interesting. So um, yeah, I've been enjoying it a lot. That's awesome. Oh. Yes. Any overarching ideas you guys can pull from his um, um, personal connections <laughs> and book? <laughs> every time he calls me in. Yeah. Um, wasn't Karen Russell the one that wrote Reeling for the She Empire? did. Yeah, she did Reeling for the Empire. So it's the same sort of thing where it's like this realistic situation, but then there's this weird thing that's happening in it. So in that one, of course, they like turn into literal mobs. Um, so, <laughs> you know, so this one, there's no mobs, but there's like uh, essentially uh, to feed her child, she makes this bargain with this demon demonic sort of thing, and then. She has to get rid of it, and it's a larger metaphor for postpartum depression. Yeah, she's uh, got quite an imaginary hair muscle. Yeah, it's yeah. really yeah. good. Hopefully, they were right. I'm gonna go chicken on those <laughs> Thank you. One minute thirty. Okay. <laughs> we have five minutes to finish this. I can't believe that word. We really don't. Really okay. Number three. Yeah. What, how was your personal connection to Trinity number oh, one? Oh, okay. So. Um, so I feel like the book kind of touched upon the idea of being an outsider because the protagonist himself, he he has power so he doesn't fit in and he like he wants a normal life but he knows he can never obtain it. And I think this book really taught me to kind of embrace your difference and kind of see it as like like a positive instead of like a negative, you know? Mm -hmm. um, my personal connection with the book is just that, uh, you know, in school you have like you have to keep up with uh, grades and then the main character Todd he he's uh, sometimes might have trouble uh, like passing uh, certain classes and it you know it's in school sometimes I might have like I try to get A's and all but it doesn't always work out like that necessarily <laughs> and then uh, then at school you also kind of have to like do what teachers say and stuff yeah. and and you have it's like it's basically the norm for every day of your life in in especially high school or at, or upper grades where you have a lot to do mm -hmm. and you got letter grades <laughs> yeah yeah um, my personal connection to the story is that like the main character Haiti she's really young she's like twelve. And um, her family thinks that they need to protect her from some truths, but she just ends up like finding out for herself. And so I can connect to that because like all I really want is the truth. Like, you know, like I just want to figure it out just so I'm not like stuck, like stuck there while my family is doing everything else. And um, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I guess I kept reading Passenger 19 because of the strong will Jammer Davis, the protagonist. And I learned that uh, it's like not good to be as fearful as I was before, uh, you know, before. And so I kind of like learned that like if you don't agree with something and you think it's like it's fair to fight, obviously you're not going to be like thinking um, school's bad so you can like, you know, cause a whole protest. That's you have to have reason behind your um, your efforts. Right. So that's what I learned. And um, I guess I just got to have people behind me because this book kind of depends on like his connections to other people. So you can't really just fight like a one-man fight, you know? And I guess it's, um, it kind of sounds cliche, but like, compassion really is like the key, you know what I mean? And um, 
I learned that one causes like um like one person can cause a reaction for other people to grow and do stuff. <laughs> and uh, not that that turns into rebellion, but just like it turns into like a fight for justice. And once again, reason is key. Oh, so I kept reading the Maze Runner because honestly, I wanted to compare it to the movies, but also it has this like constant flow of like conflicts that just keep occurring to the main character Thomas, um, which is really interesting because he he's like faced with all these conflicts and he's just his way of like overcoming them and like just continuing on with being part of the Glade. Um, and I learned that it's really hard to like actually see what you see like i said um that i have learned that sometime what you see it's not it's not true and what you don't see is so it's like the things that he didn't see were the things that were actually happening and like with being part of the maze it's like they weren't actually just oh they were like put there it was a whole process of like them being controlled and watched the entire time so it's really just interesting seeing how like you can connect to that Okay, okay, yeah. uh, how about you, Christian? Finding a personal connection to the story is kind of hard because it's kind of like a it's fiction. So, and I, mm, I guess I can connect to Jonah's struggle of uh, so when he gets his career, like his uh, his job, he's kind of at a he's at a ceremony where everybody everybody finds out what their career is because it's picked out for them. So he's excited and he thinks he's gonna be like. Um, I think it's something to do with uh, teaching. Jonas. Uh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> and they, they they completely skip over Jonas, and this freaks him out. He's like, "Oh my god, huh? What's going on?" Yeah. And at the end of the ceremony, you know, they say why he's the giver now. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Perfect. Well, thank you. <laughs>